Welcome in to another edition of the Wisports.net podcast. I'm Travis Wilson, General Manager at Wisports.net and your host for the WSN podcast. It is here, week nine of the high school football season. The busiest traffic time of the year on Wisports.net is we try to track down all the final information as it comes in for the regular season and then time to find out about the playoffs. We're going to talk about the playoffs today. We're going to talk about just a reminder on the qualification process, how that works. We did that last week on the WSN podcast. As promised, we will spend a good amount of time talking about seeding and how that process works on the podcast today. We're going to talk about uh, kind of a timeline for what to expect this weekend, not only on how and when the playoff inf- information will be released, but also what you can find on wisports.net this weekend and over the coming week and weeks during the high school football playoffs. Also talk about the WIAA playoff reveal show that I'll be a part of and just get you brought up to speed on what is going on, what will be going on in this busy final week of the regular season and starting into the playoffs. Before we do though that though, let's remind everybody out there to help save lives on Wisconsin roads. The life you save might just be yours. Make the commitment to yourself and passengers that are with you by buckling up and putting the phone down every trip, every time. To find out more, take the pledge at wisconsindot.gov. Big thank you to our friends at the Wisconsin Department of Transportation for not only sponsoring the WSN podcast, but also being our great partners in sponsoring the playoff coverage on wisports.net. Also, a thank you to B3 Sciences. Are you looking for an athletic advantage for your athlete or team? B3 Sciences is the answer. Originally limited to only Olympic caliber athletes, it is now available to anyone. Increase vertical leap, quickness, speed, and strength through a more effective, efficient, and safer way to get a deeper level of fatigue and more muscle fiber recruitment than many modern workouts. Visit drken.b3sciences.com and take a 30-day no-risk test drive. Technology trusted by the Milwaukee Brewers, Chicago Cubs, LA Clippers, USA Powerlifting, Kansas City Chiefs, and many more professional and national teams. Football playoffs. It's almost time. We are in week nine of the high school football season. And let's review what and how playoff qualification is and works in the state of Wisconsin Because again, as I've talked about before, this is new for a lot of people. This is different than any other sport, and it can be a complex and at times confusing process that we are going to try to break down as much as possible and simplify so that you can get all of the information that you need to be hopefully well-informed. The high school football 11-player playoffs. There are about a 365 teams playing 11-player football nowadays. That is down from upwards of 425 um, not that long ago, 10 years ago or so, but uh, many teams have moved to 8-player football, so we have seen fewer teams than 11-player. So out of 365-ish teams that play 11-player football, 224 will make the playoffs. That is seven divisions of 32 teams, 224. Divisional placement is not set before the season. When we do our coaches poll, we are estimating where we think that will be. Um, We don't know what teams will be in which divisions until the entire field is determined. So 224 teams make it. How do they make it? It is based on your conference record and your conference finish. 
The better you do in your conference, the better chance that you will make the playoffs. If you win your conference, you're in. If you finish above 500 in conference play, you are in. And since almost every conference in the state, with the exception of the Lakeland, plays seven conference games, teams with a four and three conference record or better are in. There's not really normally an opportunity for teams to finish with a conference record of 500 other than the Lakeland because, again, every team plays seven conference games. You can't have an even number of games. With that said, one thing that we are monitoring, one thing that hopefully doesn't come into play Friday but could, is weather challenges around the state. It looks like it's going to be heavy rain. It looks like it's going to be windy. It looks like it's going to be chilly. It doesn't look like, hopefully, cross fingers, knock on wood, that we will have storms around the state, but certainly that could pop up. That could be part of it. There could be lightning. There could be thunder that do cause and necessitate delays. If a game gets postponed, is not completed on Friday because of weather, and is pushed out, either delayed, and they try to make it up on Saturday, or the game just does not get played, that game does not count for playoff qualification. It would not count for playoff seeding either. So in theory, there is the possibility that if a game did not get played or got postponed to Saturday or was not completed on Friday and would be completed on Saturday, that teams could finish exactly 500 in conference play. They could finish 3-3 three and three in conference in that event, if there are teams that finish at 500, they would be the next in line to qualify for the playoffs. Again, teams that finish above 500 are in. Uh, we project 100 and, what is it, 181 or 183 teams to finish over 500. And then the rest of the spots have to be made up, first of all, by any teams that finish at 500. And Unity, by the way, will finish exactly 500. They will be 3-3 three and three because they have a forfeit this week coming up. So they would get in next. Milwaukee Academy of Science is an independent school that would finish at least 500 overall will get in next. And then if there are no other teams that finish at 500, which we hope there are not, then we have to start looking to complete the rest of the 224-team field. We have to look at teams that finish under 500 in conference play, teams that finish three and four. So then we come into having to determine a whole bunch of tiebreakers that uh, are not always fun to go through. But again, the first part of it is your conference record. So three and four in conference will get in before any teams that finish two and five, regardless of what the overall records might be. That is important to note. If a team goes 2-5 and five in conference, but 2-0 and oh out of the conference and finishes 4-5 and five overall, they would not get in the playoffs ahead of a team that goes 3-4 and four in conference, 0-2 oh outside of conference, and thus 3-6 and six overall. It is about your conference record. It is about your conference finish. So, we projected that there would be 40 spots needed for teams that finish under 500 in conference play with 48 teams that we projected to finish 3-4 and four in conference, which means a whole bunch of tiebreakers for a whole bunch of teams. 
going through down going down through that list the the first one after your conference record is your combined conference winning percentage of defeated conference opponents that is looking at rewarding teams that beat better teams within their conference in many cases uh, a conference ends up where one team goes undefeated one team goes 6 and 1 another team goes 5 and 2 so on and so forth so the team that goes 3 and 4 often has wins over the teams that went 2 and 5 1 and 6 and 0 oh and 7 so those teams have what we consider a weak tiebreaker number teams that would have beaten somebody with a little bit better record there are instances where a team has beaten you know the team that goes 5 and 2 and that that team finishes 3 and 4 or they beat the team uh, a 3 and 4 team beats the team that went 4 and 3 or maybe they beat another team that went 3 and 4 they would have uh advantage they would get uh qualified before those other teams that only beat the teams that finished below them so that is one of the big ones that that kind of gets teams in very quickly and does sometimes eliminate teams as well. Uh, assuming there are continued ties from there to complete a 224-team field, you start going through criteria. The first one is head-to-head, -head, which does not come into play because not everybody would have played each other. Even if two teams played each other out of that group and one got a head-to-head -head win, it does not apply because not all teams had played each other. Revert, result versus conference champion is considered, but at that point, nobody would have beaten the conference champion that's in the tiebreaker process still. The next one where teams do start to get in is win-loss percentage versus the playoff field as determined by steps 1A through D. Essentially, did you beat a playoff team that qualified for the playoffs with a conference record above 500? That will get some teams in. We'll narrow down the list of uh, teams that were continuing to run tiebreaker formulas for. Next is defeated opponents' conference wins only, overall win-loss percentage. So now we're starting to look at your strength of schedule a little bit. What teams did you beat and how did they do? Then there's uh, your defeated opponents' all wins, overall win-loss percentage. That looks at the teams that you beat in all of your games and how did they do? So if you get a non-conference win, generally that is going to help you, unless it was over a team that, let's say, did not win a game. Then that actually hurts you a little bit. Next on the list is your own overall win-loss percentage. Generally, we do not have any ties still from that point, but if needed, there would be first-half points allowed per game average through Week 8 conference games only. And finally, excuse me, finally a coin flip. I don't recall that happening. We usually break all those ties going through those other criteria, but that is the criteria to qualify for the playoffs. Again, it's based on your conference record. It's based on how you do. And then as you get into the tiebreaker processes, it's based on who did you beat in conference. You can find those criteria on the WIA website. You go to the football page and then rules and regulations, and then WI tournament regulations. It's all laid out there. It's also in the handbook and the uh, the information that goes out to all of the schools. So it is available. It is available for anyone to find. We talked about that pretty uh, in-depth last week, um, but just wanted to highlight it again today. So 
we use that criteria. We use the tiebreakers to determine 224 teams that get into the playoffs. What next? Well, the next part is splitting those 224 teams into seven equal divisions of 32 teams based on enrollment. If there are any ties on the cut line, uh, the actual enrollment for this year is used as the tiebreaker to see who goes up and who goes down. Once those teams are divided into 32-team divisions, then they have to be split into four regional groupings. A, B, C, and D is what they label them. We unofficially sometimes might refer to them as Northwest, Northeast, Southwest, and Southeast, but it does not line up that way exactly. So it's A, B, C, and D. Within the divisions, when they try to split teams up, they do try to balance the, the groupings a little bit by looking at and identifying conference champions in each division and trying when available to have an equal number of conference champions in each grouping, as well as identifying the conference champions that go undefeated in conference, not overall, but undefeated in conference and equitably distributing those undefeated conference teams through the geographical groupings. Once there, then the teams are, are assigned geographically. It's an inexact science. It's drawing these uh, uh, amoeba blobs. Sometimes they're, it's called drawing the circles, but they're not exact circles, obviously. Um, in trying to figure out, put 32 teams into four regional groupings while trying to balance out the conference champions. So that is the next step. Once teams are in their groupings of eight, then the seeding process happens where teams will be seeded within their group of eight, one through eight. Just because you might be a conference champion, just because you may have been identified as a conference champion and moved to a different group to balance things out, does not mean that that team will be seeded number one. It does not mean that they will get any particular seed, in fact. Once the groupings are determined, everything else is out the window, and now you're following the electronic seeding formula. That formula was developed and implemented two or three years ago. A committee that I was involved in as uh, part of the WFCA executive board to uh, put that together. The exact weighting and the exact formula are not made public, just as essentially no, to my knowledge, uh, seeding or computer seeding formula that any state uses is made public. The criteria that are included is made available, however. That is right in the tournament regulations along with the qualifying process, the seeding procedures outline the factors that go into your, your seed, your computer seed. I'll go through them, but please note these are not in any specific order. They're not in the order of what's most important, but these are the factors that go into electronic seeding for football for the WIAA. First of all, your own winning percentage, your opponent's winning percentage, your opponent's opponent's winning percentage, those three things, by the way, make up what used to be the RPI formula. Um, those are three components pulled from that formula uh, that was used for men's basketball in the NCAA for many years. 
But there are also other components that come into play. Your defeated opponent's winning percentage. Your defeated opponent's opponent's winning percentage. So if you notice, there's five, five parts to the criteria so far. Four of them deal with who you played. Looking at it, pulling in strength of schedule. People, I've heard people say, well, they need to look at strength of schedule. Well, that's what this does. That's what your opponent's winning percentage, your opponent's opponent's winning percentage, your defeated opponent's winning percentage, and your defeated opponent's opponent's winning percentage all are. They all are strength of schedule. So when I hear people say, well, they need to take into account strength of schedule, that's what that does. To take into account the difference of um, strength between conferences, another component is your historical conference playoff winning percentage. So your conference's success in the playoffs. It goes back a period of three years. It also looks at your own playoff winning percentage over the last three years. So again, that's trying to balance out the strength between conferences because not every conference is created equal. Certainly some of the other components that, that measure strength of schedule do, you know, are impacted by the quality of your conference, but these things specifically are looking at, okay, if, if, if you're in a really good conference that has done very well in the playoffs, you know, that's part of the criteria. There's a strength of loss game value, which again, is, is about your strength of schedule. It's not, it's not giving you, um, you know, a big gain for losing, but it does, uh, it does make sure that if you lost, that it's not hurting you. If, if you lost to a good team, it's not impacting you, you know, in the same way as if you lost to a bad team and, and making sure also that a loss is never as good as a win. A good good loss does not equal a bad, quotations, win. And then computer random draw. That computer random draw, by the way, only comes into play if two teams have the exact same figure. Now, when the computer spits out the, uh, the results of this electronic formula, it is out into decimal places six, seven, eight decimal places. So to have a tie is extremely, 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 extremely unlikely, but just in the event that it happens, there is that computer random draw component to make sure that a tie could be broken. By the way, forfeits, let's talk about that quickly. Forfeits by conference opponents do count towards your playoff qualification. However, the conference, or excuse me, yes, the conference forfeits do not count for seeding. If you play a replacement game in a week that you received a conference forfeit, that does not count for qualification. It does count for seeding. So the, the easy way to think about it is only games played, actually played on the field, count for seeding, and all games that are played count for seeding. So that's, that's how to think of that. Um, so again, that's the seeding criteria. I know there's a lot of questions. There's a lot of argument. There's a lot of whatever. Um, still, you know, early in the process for seeding. It's still something that is, is being looked at and reviewed. Uh, I anticipate it being looked at and reviewed again after this year with another year of data. 
yes, there are legitimate concerns about how it has played out in the past. I think most specifically those concerns are most relevant around head-to-head situations. We've seen it with Muskego and Maguanago the last couple years where those teams played head-to-head. One team finished unbeaten, one finished team, uh, team finished with one loss. They were placed in the same grouping, and the team that lost actually got the seed higher. It happened last year with uh, Northwestern and St. Croix Falls as well. Um, I, I continue and, and did uh, advocate for an evaluation of head-to-head in limited circumstances like that where it could determine you know, two teams next to each other. Uh, understand that, that, again, that is a very legitimate concern. Overall, I think the seeding has done very well. I think it has performed, if you look at, you know, predictive um, ability from the seeding, the computer seeding versus how the coach is seeded, the same number of teams are winning on the road as upsets in level one as we used to get. Um, you know, things are playing out ultimately how, how they generally should uh, compared to, you know, the seeding. Nothing's ever going to be perfect. There's always going to be subjectivity. There's always going to be situations where two different people can look at something and have two different opinions and not necessarily be wrong. That is okay. Um, but it uh, it eliminates some of the problems that happened with coach seeding of coaches manipulating the vote, coaches in the same conference ganging up and uh, controlling the vote. Um you know, it, it takes out that element. It takes out the element of coaches being mad at each other. Now they can be mad at the, the computer formula. Well, they can be mad at me. That's usually what happens. Again, as I've said before, if only I had the amount of power that people apparently think that I have. Uh, all right, so the seeds, the playoff criteria, the regional groupings, you know, that's the nuts and bolts of it, uh, of, of what will... Be important to people. And then once the seeds are done, obviously, then they're just fed into a bracket. One plays eight, two plays seven, three versus six, and four versus five from there. Level one is uh, scheduled for next Friday at 7 p.m. That's the default, Friday, October 20th. If teams agree, both of them agree, they could play on uh, on Saturday, no earlier than 1 p.m., no later than 7 p.m., However, it's been very, very rare that we have had Saturday games the last few years. Most everything stays on Friday night. So now that we know how teams get in, how the groupings are drawn, how the seeding works, let's talk about how that all is going to get disseminated out to be consumed and viewed by coaches, fans, teams, and players around the state of Wisconsin. For the second year in a row, there will be a live playoff reveal show. Last year, it was on Bally Sports. This year, it will be on a uh, a set of networks in the state of Wisconsin, WKOW in Madison, WQOW in Eau Claire, WXOW in La Crosse, and WAOW in Wausau. Those are all stations owned by Allen Media, the same, uh, same group of stations, Certainly understand that not everybody gets those stations. There's no Milwaukee affiliate. There's no Green Bay or Fox Valley area affiliate. Um, But this is better than nothing. So fans in that area can watch the the live stream of that show that will be Saturday at 10 a.m. until uh, 11 a.m. 
They can watch on those station websites. You can watch it on WKOW.com. I know for sure. Um, again, hopefully they get to a point where they're able to expand that and have some other stations join in and, uh, and display that as well. Um, but again, a continued in, in, uh, evolution and, and uh, improvement on that live playoff show. Again, last year on Bally's, this year on the Allen Media Stations, as mentioned. I will be involved this year. Last year, I was supposed to be involved as an in-studio analyst. Unfortunately, ended up in the ER the night before and could not, uh, could not be involved. This year, I will be in studio Saturday at 10 a.m., uh, with Carly Murata, the sports director at WKOW, the very first uh, female sports director in Madison. Also, uh, other WKOW staff members, Pablo Iglesias and Luke Gamble from their sports team. I believe they're going to try to get some coaches on, possibly, maybe have some other things that will be part of that. But uh, I'm happy to uh, to join in and break down and give some perspective on the brackets, the qualifiers, what to look for, all kinds of good stuff. So make sure you check that out, 10 a.m. on Saturday, October 14th, the WIA Live Playoff Reveal Show. Uh, we have done a lot of work on the playoffs already, as you have seen. Our football playoff qualifying report for Week 9 came out where we looked at who is already in, who is on the bubble, and who needs to win to get on the bubble. 161 teams have already clinched a playoff spot by finishing over 500, or in the case of Unity, finishing exactly 500, or in the case of Milwaukee Academy of Science, finishing with a winning record as an independent. 161 teams have clinched. 52 teams are on the bubble with three conference wins, and again, 57 that need one more win to get on the bubble. We did go through the exercise of projecting outcomes of every Week 9 game. And looking at, okay, who is, you know, who do we project to win? What does that mean? What situations come into play? We projected 182 teams finishing with a conference record of better than 500. Unity would get in as 183. Milwaukee Academy of Science gets in as 184. That leaves 40 spots in our projections for teams that finish under 500 in conference play. And how does that compare to the past, you might ask? Well, last year... There were 39 teams that finished under 500 and got in the playoffs. The year before that, there was 31, excuse me, 30. 2019, there was 20. 2018, there was 14. Go all the way back to 2012, that was the first year where any teams finished under 500 and got in the playoffs. There was four that first year. It has been a steady increase because of teams moving to eight-player football and fewer teams overall, which means you have to take more teams that finish three and four. So we don't know exactly what that number will be. Again, we project 40 spots for teams that finish under 500. We projected 48 teams finishing three and four in league play, where then you have to do tiebreakers for 48 teams to determine 40 spots. Takes a while, took a while to go through all of that exercise and, and look through all of the different tiebreakers that you have to go through. But uh, ultimately, we did project out all those. We did project out all the tiebreakers, determined the playoff qualifying field that we projected, which gives an idea of where divisional cut lines may fall, gives an idea of what games to watch in terms of who might steal a playoff spot, who um, you know is, is 
a, a team to watch for that's on that divisional cut line bubble, a team like Sun Prairie East, for instance, that we projected as the biggest Division II team, means that there's a chance that they could end up in Division One. And it was interesting, you know, the, the teams directly behind Sun Prairie East as well. It goes Sun Prairie East, very good team, one of the better teams in Division II, then Badger, undefeated, then Wanakee, undefeated, then Menominee Falls, a very good team out of the greater Metro. So, you know, how that comes into shape will be very interesting to watch. Chippewa Falls is a team that um, is, and Kenosha Bradford, teams that are going to be on the bubble for qualification that we projected in, that if something goes different for them, maybe they are out. You have to pull up more teams into Division Two. So talking with head coach Brian Kaminsky from Sun Prairie East earlier this week, those were some of the, the games that I told him to keep an, out, uh, keep an eye out for. Also, uh, Janesville Craig is another team that we projected to be out via tiebreakers. But if some things go differently for the Cougars or their opponents, they could be a team that qualifies and moves that D1, D2 cut line. Sheboygan South is another team that could move that cut line. We projected them as... Uh, the, the, the worst, well, no, not, not, not the worst is, is one of the final teams to be eliminated via tiebreaker. Let me put it that way. Um, amongst teams that we projected to finish three and four in conference play. So that cut lines, those cut lines and where divisions will fall, certainly a big storyline as those brackets come out on Saturday. Um, other things that we'll be watching. Again, are there games Friday night that get postponed or impacted that could have an impact on things? How do the tiebreakers come out? You know, all, all part of it. Um, so, Again, it's going to be a busy weekend. It's going to be the busiest traffic time on Wisports.net of the entire year. You're going to want to stay glued to WSN. We will have the brackets posted as soon as we possibly can after they are released on the WI Playoff Reveal Show. We will then start to have all kinds of breakdowns and analysis. Wisports.net will be the place to be over the next month. Uh, actually, a little over a month for the high school football playoffs. The place that we want you to be is safe, though. Help save lives on Wisconsin roads. The life you save might just be yours. Make the commitment to yourself and passengers that are with you by buckling up and putting the phone down every trip, every time. To find out more, take the pledge at wisconsindot.gov. Again, you can find all kinds of information at wisports.net. You can find our projected playoff qualifying field, the teams that we think will be in based on how we think we Nine games will go. You can also find the playoff qualifying report. That lists who is already in, who is on the bubble, who has to win to get on the bubble. And we also went through the exercise of putting together the uh, playoff scenarios for every single team in the state as our uh, week nine special football preview, where for every conference we say, okay, who is in, who is out and eliminated and then any of those teams that are either on the bubble or can get on the bubble, what does it look like based on whether they win or lose? You know, if a, if a team is two and four 
in conference. If they lose, they're out. That's pretty straightforward. But if they win in week nine and they get to three and four, what do we think? Where will their tie or where will their tiebreaker number be? Is there a good chance they get in? Is there a good chance they are out? We break it down for all of those bubble teams to to give a better idea of of what might need to happen. And speaking of what needs to happen, it's really interesting when you start getting into this level of tiebreakers and, and trying to figure out who's in and who's out, you know, how other games can really impact what happens for some of these teams. I think about my Richland Center Hornets, my alma mater. They're two and four. They got a big win over River Valley last week, 17-0, go Hornets. Shut out River Valley on their homecoming. Sorry, Coach Makovic. Uh, but a win this week over Dodgeville, who has not won a conference game, a win this week for Richland Center gets them on the bubble at three and four. So what are their chances of getting in? Well, they played a crossover game against Watoma that counts in their league standings. If Watoma beats Westfield, and that's a game where both those teams are fighting to get on the bubble, both those teams are two and four. If Watoma wins, that improves the tiebreaker number for Richland Center. And I think it improves it to the point where Richland Center gets in. If Watoma loses, that hurts Richland Center's tiebreaker number, makes it significantly weaker, and I think they likely would be out of the playoffs. So Richland Center's fate hinges on not only getting a win over Dodgeville, but likely could hinge on Watoma beating Westfield. And that's just one example. There are a number of other examples all over where a game somewhere else between teams that maybe don't even make the playoffs because of how tiebreakers work can impact a certain team making the playoffs or not making the playoffs. And the interesting layer of that as well is that the you know that could determine where the cut lines go. That could determine who wins a state championship if they... You know, if, if, if Team A is the smallest team in Division II or the largest team in Division III, that's big. That is huge. That significantly, substantially improves the playoff chances and the chances at a state title for a team to be the biggest team in a division compared to the smallest in another division. And that's what uh, what we love. That's that's what I love about the high school playoffs especially too is that, that uncertainty, that excitement, and that component of just kind of being wild and crazy. We don't know what's going to happen. There's so many variables into play. I mean, if you think about um, 180 games this weekend involving eight-player teams, and really every single one could could impact playoff qualification for somebody else, um, and the number of different ways that all those results could go, I mean, we're talking thousands or tens of thousands of different results and possible variables of of what's going to happen. So stay tuned. It's a busy time. You're going to want to check out wisports.net daily for all of your high school sports and high school football playoff information. We will have our divisional breakdowns that'll start on Sunday, previewing every division, you know, what the initial uh, thoughts are on how the, the brackets broke down. What are the teams to watch? Who are the best players in the division? Best game in level one. What are some possible possible emphasis on possible possible games down the road that we might be looking forward to. And then I also pick every game, uh, win and loss, um, to, uh, 
to help people get mad at me, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but it's going to be a great time. It's going to be a busy time on Wisports.net. Check it out. Make it your daily destination for all your high school sports needs. Well, we're going to sign off for today. We're going to keep it a little bit short and sweet, but let's help save lives on Wisconsin roads. The life you save might just be yours. Make the commitment to yourself and passengers that are with you by buckling up and putting the phone down every trip, every time. To find out more, take the pledge at wisconsindot.gov. That will do it for today on the WSN podcast. As mentioned, make sure you're visiting wisports.net for all of your high school football playoff information. I am Travis Wilson. This has been a wisports.net podcast. We'll see you at a game.